I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to just make take a moment to let you know that we're going to be talking heavily about our relationship to food and our bodies, and I'm going to share things that have helped me to heal my relationship to food, but I'm also going to share struggles that I've had with restrictive eating. And if that is not supportive for you right now, please know that you have my full and undying support to take a break from today's episode and return Friday for our next one that will be a little less charged. But today we are continuing our conversation around building trust with our body, talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is intuitive eating. So if you don't know, intuitive eating is a non-diet approach to changing your eating habits. It focuses on listening to your body and its signals, and it's based on the idea that we are all born with the ability to know when to eat, to stop eating, and what is pleasurable and satisfying. Now, most of us, we start to become more disconnected and less trusting of our internal wisdom with the influence of family, friends, media, and diet culture, And intuitive eating is a way of eating that helps you reconnect with your body and its signals. So it involves listening to your hunger and fullness cues, eating what you crave, and making peace with food. So intuitive eating is not a diet. It's not a weight loss program. Instead, it's a way of life that can help you improve your relationship with food and with your body. My journey to healing my relationship to my body has been such a long one, and I want to talk a little bit about my background with diet culture and how I came to intuitive eating. So when I was growing up, I started my first diet when I was nine years old, much from the pressure of my family. At the time, if you were to look back at photos of me, you wouldn't even really consider me overweight. I wasn't one of those kids who like looked chubby growing up. Maybe I was like heavier than my friends, at the time. But when I look back at photos, I'm like, I wouldn't think like that kid needs to go on a diet. I more so served as the emotional support for my parents and my family. So as my mom wanted to lose weight, she wanted a buddy and she wanted accountability. She also had this mindset of we need to tackle this when she's young so that she never gains weight. You know, my grandmother was always like a heavier set person. My mom was a heavier set person, um, according to them, you know, and their standards. But I, so they kind of wanted me to not fall into that category. It was very important to them. And so they started me very young. That being said, what I learned about food at that time was that it was better to eat as little as possible and that my relationship with food really centered around how little can I eat. And that followed me all the way into college. So when I was in high school, I was lose I would go through these seasons where I would lose a lot of weight. So I would eat very little often what I was eating was just popcorn and Diet Coke for weeks. I would, which has little to no nutritional value. Um, I would also um, go through seasons where I would eat one Happy Meal a day because that would keep me in a caloric deficit. Because you have to remember, my goal wasn't to be healthy. My goal was to lose weight. 
And I was going to meetings every week where they were weighing me and they would clap for me and give me prizes if I had lost weight. They weren't saying, how much nutrition did you get into your body this week? How healthy do you feel? How happy are you? How energized do you feel? Instead, my lifestyle in high school, my friends, looked like this. I would wake up bright and early, sometimes 5 or 6 a.m. I would not eat. I would go to school. I would start, I would get to school early and do my homework. I'll explain why in a minute. I would do my homework at school before it started. I would go to class, go to school. Sometimes I would eat lunch, sometimes I wouldn't. Um, a lot of times because I worked for the yearbook and I had to go sell ads, what I would do is this is when I would get my happy meal. I would go get my happy meal um, for my lunch. And I was exhausted. I would fall asleep in class. I was just completely worn out. I was losing the ability to really focus and pay attention in school because I wasn't getting any nutrients into my body. And from there, I would do whatever club or sport I was playing at the time. And then I would also work. So I worked at the local movie theater. So if I was working, I would go to work and I would eat popcorn for dinner um, and Diet Coke. And then I would go home and I would often go home around two in the morning because you have to stay until the movies end. So someone has to stay until the movies end. I would often volunteer for that for various reasons. And then I would go home. I would get a few hours of sleep. I would get up and do it all over again. And so I was doing my homework at school in the morning because I was working at night or doing lots of clubs and sports, all in the attempts to not go home. So all of that to say, I, I, that's how I was living, right? And the problem is that I was losing weight. So I was being rewarded for it. I was being congratulated for it. But it wasn't working for me. My body was like shutting down. And it wasn't really until I was, gosh, out of college that I looked back at my life. And honestly, if you look at photos, oh, it's so embarrassing. Like things that I would eat at this time in my life, right? When I did this research, I there's like every once in a while, Facebook will show me what I called a meal. And it would be, you know, four pieces of asparagus, one piece of chicken sausage, and some like a quarter of an avocado. And I would call that dinner. And I, at that time, did a little bit of a thing where I was trying to like, let's figure out why I gain weight because like, I don't eat, you know, like I'm kind of having this realization of like, I am not eating enough food. I, I'm hungry all the time. I feel so like I, I'm obsessed with not eating and, and, and restricting and, and making sure that I don't do eat too much. And I looked back and I was like, well, let's look at these major points of my life where I've gained a lot of weight. And sure enough, it was always after a really intense season of restricting. And we've learned now over time as a culture that like restricting doesn't work, that it causes you to, it messes with your metabolism, it causes people to gain weight. Um, it's ultimately most people, they lose weight, but then they gain more back. And that's what happened to me. So this like years and years of yo-yo dieting, I was basically like, losing weight and then gaining more. So it was like I was actually compounding. So at the time, I was still so concerned with being thin that that's what I needed as a gateway to releasing this like restrictive mentality. Because if the goal was to be thin, 
then and restricting was causing weight gain, well, then I don't want to do that anymore. Eventually, love, luckily, I have evolved now to the point where I am focused on health and well-being and nourishment and satisfaction and pleasure um, to the point where I am not obsessed with, with growing thin. I'm obsessed with like feeling well. And that is when intuitive eating came into my life. And it really helped me to build a relationship to food that was no longer about how little can I consume and became more about how can I fuel my body in ways that are supportive and pleasurable for me. So that's been my experience. Um, I'll get more into kind of like fears around food and and kind of things that might come up as we get into intuitive eating. But just so you know, that's been my journey. Now let's get into a little bit more of what intuitive eating is. So there are essentially 10 principles for intuitive eating. The first is to reject the diet mentality. So this is so helpful because when weight loss is the goal, as you've heard, weird things can happen. When we're so focused on like losing weight, we throw wellness kind of it, wellness becomes kind of funky, right? Like all of a sudden, like, oh, well, eating avocado and asparagus and like a chicken sausage, like that's that's wellness, right? But eating such low amounts of that that you can't sustain a physical body is not wellness. So focusing instead on wellness and health, not wellness, the like, let's do some weird tea that has like carcinogens in it every day and pretend like that's health. Um, That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like actually supporting our bodies with food. So that's number one. Reject the diet mentality. Weight loss is not the goal. Two, make peace with food. And I know that this can be so tricky because we have so many stories. Our culture is so steeped with stories around what food is and what food can be. But the goal is really to allow yourself to enjoy food. And I think from my experience and from what I've learned, this is often like something that has to come first, that making peace with food might mean not making like the decisions that you deem perfect when it comes to food and allowing yourself to actually enjoy the act of eating. Number three is feel your hunger. This is actually a really cool part of the process, like getting to know your body paying attention to your body so that you can really truly hear and tell when you're hungry and when you're full and that you are allowed to eat when you're hungry and you're allowed to stop when you're full. So the fourth piece is is honor your fullness. And when you're afraid that you're never going to eat this thing again, you're actually like more likely to eat past comfort. So if I think like, okay, I'm starting my diet again on Monday, so I better like eat as much of this ice cream as I can right now so that I can restrict again on Monday. That's a completely different mentality than I can always have ice cream anytime I want. And actually, like through intuitive eating, actually, I learned that I ice cream's not something I like to eat a lot of. Like it just doesn't feel good on my body and it doesn't like sit well with me. It's not like necessarily not like a lactose intolerant thing, but just kind of like too much of it. It kind of makes me feel sleepy and, and a little like ugh, heavy and I don't like to feel that way. So maybe I'll eat a little bit less ice cream, you know, and um, have a couple of bites a day versus having like a whole pint in a night. That's 
the difference between restricting and allowing. It's it's you can have kind of a neutral relationship to these things that often were much more charged. So make peace with food, feel your hunger, honor your fullness, and then feel your emotions without using food. So this is so helpful and so important because a lot of times what we get caught up in is like just restrict, restrict, restrict. Calorie restriction is the way, you know, but if you have emotional relationships to food, then notice what those relationships are, right? And I think a lot of times when we think of emotional eating, we think of it as, you know, I'm sad so I'll eat, which is totally sometimes part of it. But I think for a lot of us also, it's like I celebrate with food or um, the foods that I deem as comforting or celebratory aren't always the most nourishing, which is interesting information, right? So like as we allow ourselves to feel our emotions, get in tune, listen to our body, well, then we can actually start to go, what's an actual comforting food for me? What actually leaves me feeling nourished and comforted? So sometimes like, for example, um, pre-intuitive eating, I probably would have called like fried chicken and macaroni and cheese comfort foods. And if I was having a bad day and I wanted to feel comforted, maybe I would choose that. Now, what my comfort food is, is this like cabbage soup situation. It's like cabbage and potatoes and it has like sausage in it and it's just so nourishing and comforting and warming or maybe like a a good ramen with lots of vegetables in it like something like warming and brothy Um, in Bali I was eating a lot of miso soup because it was just so comforting and supportive for me so my body says actually broth and Um, veggies and and noodles that feels supportive and nourishing like tofu and pro you know protein and broth and veggies that feels nourishing and comforting but when you're afraid when you're using food as kind of like this you're not listening to your body and what it has to tell you about comfort foods or or foods that um you know you're using foods to to avoid an emotion or to numb an emotion then you're actually, you're often like punishing yourself versus actually listening to what feels nourishing to you. So feel your emotions without using food. And then six is simply respect your body. So I don't think we're actually on six. I think we're, yeah, we're on six. Okay. Respect your body. So there are so many ways to show your body respect. Um, A few examples are simply to eat when you're hungry. Like don't wait until you're starving to eat. Eating when you're hungry will help you to avoid overeating as well. Like you're not like ravenous by the time you're getting to food. So you're not just like trying to fill yourself as fast as possible. And then stop when you're full. Like don't force yourself to eat when you're not hungry. Eating when you are full will help you to avoid feeling like uncomfortable in your body and in your skin and like feeling like bloated and you know, like listen to your body, like trust that it knows when it's hungry and that it knows when it's full. Um, And then also, you know, get enough sleep. Sleep is so important for our physical and our mental health. Like getting enough sleep is going to help you to feel more energized and refreshed and supported by yourself. It's going to show your body that you love it, that you can trust, that it can trust you and that you trust it. And then finally, you know, accept your body for it the way it is. Like don't try to change your body to fit into like some traditional beauty standard really honor the fact that like your body is your body and it deserves love and respect and appreciation exactly how it is. 
The seventh principle here is to discover the satisfaction factor. So this shouldn't be so scary, but it can be. Um, you know, the sense of I can enjoy food. Food can be pleasurable for me. I can enjoy eating. Um, I hear fears all the time about like, well, I'll get go, I'll go crazy around food. If I let myself have one cookie, I'll eat a hundred. And we'll get more into this in a second, but that's actually more of a restrictive eating problem than it is an intuitive eating problem. Actually allowing yourself to have food, like we talked about with the ice cream, it can offer you actually more insight into if you really want it or if you really like it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Then the next principle is feel the difference between physical and emotional hunger. So physical hunger is a gradual sensation that comes on over time. It's usually accompanied by a growling stomach, feelings of emptiness, while emotional hunger is a sudden and intense craving for food. It's often triggered by emotions such as boredom, stress, or sadness. Physical hunger is satisfied after eating a small amount of food. Emotional hunger isn't satisfied after eating, even after eating a large amount of food. Physical hunger is a natural part of the body's hunger cycle. Emotional hunger is not a natural part of the body's hunger cycle, so you can really start to notice that this isn't part of like a, on a timer or on a routine. Now, if you are unsure whether you are feeling physical or emotional hunger, it can be helpful to pay attention to your body's signals and to your emotions. If you are feeling physically hungry, your body's going to tell you that it needs food. So if you are feeling emotionally hungry, your emotions will be telling you that you need something to comfort or to soothe yourself. But I want to be clear here that it's also important to remember that it's absolutely okay and morally okay to eat when you are emotionally hungry. It's just that important to be aware of why you are eating and to make sure that you are not using food as a way to cope with negative emotions. So if you find that you are using food to cope with negative emotions, that's when you might want to talk to a counselor or a nutritionist or a therapist about ways to manage your emotions outside of using food. Not that that's morally wrong, but more so that it may not be the relationship you want food to have in your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When I found the Enneagram, it was like my mind was opened to all of these new elements of my personality that I didn't really understand before. Patterns and shadows and difficulties to what I thought was only good parts of myself. And recognizing how these strengths can also be weaknesses and these patterns cannot always support me changed my life, right? It opened my eyes to ways that I could improve, where I should grow, how I can communicate better. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing, right? Like how type seven showed up for me in my 20s is so different from how it shows up to me at 37. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and your understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Personally, my therapist is a lifeline for me. Meeting with her every single week is like having an additional person on my emotional team. So yes, I can take the information of the Enneagram, but I need someone to help me integrate it into my life. As well as I know it intellectually, we need support to take it and put it into practice and turn it into actual healing, life-changing work. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, 
Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com egram today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash egram. Thank you, BetterHelp, for supporting the podcast. Okay, number nine, listen to your body, right? Your body holds all the information, so pay attention to it. Listen to its physical cues. Does your test chest get tight? Does your stomach growl? Are you feeling anxious in your shoulders? Notice what your body is trying to tell you. And then finally, honor your health. I think oftentimes when people hear about intuitive eating kind of in a social media capacity, they think like, oh, I'm just going to go buck wild. Like if I'm allowed to just eat whatever I want, like I can't trust myself, I'll go crazy. But that's not what it is. Like it's not about just like throwing all the rules out the window. I think, well, yeah, it kind of is about throwing all the rules out the window. But it's not about just like now I'm sustained on cookies and soda, right? Which actually, as we've heard, in diet culture, we're more incentivized to do things that are less nutritious for us because we're focused so much on lowering our calorie intake that we are ignoring how this nutritionally impacts us. So it's less about losing weight and more about supporting ourselves and what is actually nourishing for our body. So in fact, intuitive eating is a a way to honor your health more fully. So in order to like really sell you on like, let's go the intuitive eating route, I wanna really establish the problem with diets here. So when we talk about restrictive diets, it's important to remember that they actually can lead to weight regain. When you restrict your calories or certain foods, your body actually goes into starvation mode and starts to store fat. So when you eventually stop the diet, you are likely to regain the weight you lost and more. Now, we've established that like that's like the case of my own history, but also I want to remind you that your body is okay. That like losing weight isn't the only goal here. It can also lead to nutrient deficiencies. When you restrict your diet, you are less likely to get all the nutrients that you need. And this can lead to problems as fatigue, hair loss, skin problems, losing your menstrual cycle, things that really impact your physical health. And so often our culture deems it more gratifying and more important to be thin than to be healthy. And we have to work on our own internal dialogue around, I wanna be well, I wanna feel well, I deserve to feel well even if that doesn't mean I'm thin. Third, restrictive diets can lead to eating disorders, right? They can trigger eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia, and that's so serious, one of the leading cause of death. So please, please, please take this seriously. And then they can also obviously damage your metabolism. When you restrict your calories, your metabolism slows down. And this means that you will burn fewer calories even when you are not exercising. So you're resting metabolic rate will go down. This can make it difficult to lose weight or to maintain a healthy weight, quote unquote. They can make you feel guilty, ashamed, and deprived. They can also lead to social isolation as you may avoid social situations where food is involved. In fact, research suggests that the failure rate of diet 
weights is so high, with some studies estimating that up to 95% of people who lose weight on a diet regain it within two years. Additionally, diet culture will have you believe that losing weight is more important than being healthy, that the most important thing is not to eat rather than to support our bodies in its very basic functions. So diet culture is out, intuitive eating is in. How do we start to intuitive eat? First, we have to reject the diet mentality. We have to stop dieting. Stop thinking about food in terms of good and bad. Stop thinking about weight loss and instead focus on eating what you enjoy and listening to your body's signals. Next, honor your hunger. Eat when you are hungry. Don't wait until you are starving. Eating when you are hungry will help you to avoid overeating, but it will also help you to actually hear what your body has to say about what it wants to eat. Does it want vegetables? Does it want carbs? Does it want protein? Like it will tell you what it needs. Third, make peace with food. Stop labeling food as good or bad. All foods can fit into a healthy diet. Just make sure that you're eating a variety of foods that you enjoy. Fourth, challenge the food police. Like don't let negative thoughts about food control your life. If you find yourself thinking about food in a negative way, I encourage you to challenge those thoughts. Ask yourself why you are thinking that way about food. Where did you first hear that? Where did you learn that? And is it true? Is this backed by science? Just just consider it. Next, feel your fullness. Pay attention to how you feel when you are eating. Stop eating when you are full. Don't force yourself to eat more than you need. Six, listen to your body. Your body will tell you what it needs. If you are feeling tired, eat something. If you are feeling stressed, eat something. But don't use food as a way to cope with your negative emotions. Let yourself have kind of a fluid relationship with food where it's not solving all your problems. Find other support systems for your emotions. Therapy, counselor, coaches, you know, deep breathing, you know, whatever it is, allow yourself to have coping mechanisms that are not centered around food. Be patient because intuitive eating is a journey. It takes time to develop a healthy relationship with food. So don't get discouraged in the process. You know, it's, it is a process. If you find that you're like, oh, I ate three cookies in one night. This is horrible. I am, intuitive eating is killing me. (laughs) Like, whoa, slow your roll there, buddy. Like, it's a process. Like you have been restricting, most of us have been restricting or controlling ourselves for so long that there's going to be a pendulum swing with every kind of growth. We tend to go from one extreme to another and then we find our way back to center. Trust the process. Just in case you are looking for more resources, because obviously this is not my area of expertise. This is just something that I have a lot of personal experience with. A few good resources are the Intuitive Eating Workbook by Evelyn Tribble and Ellis Reich. This workbook is a great resource for anyone who wants to learn more about intuitive eating, how to develop a healthy relationship with food. There's also Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. It's a comprehensive guide to intuitive eating and includes information on how to overcome diet mentality, how to listen to your body's signals, and how to make peace with food. Then there is the Intuitive Eating blog by Evelyn Travol and Ellis Reich as well. The Intuitive Eating podcast by Christy Harrison. And the Intuitive Eating Counselor's Directory by Evelyn Travol and Ellis Reich. This directory lists registered dietitians and certified intuitive eating counselors who can help you to learn more about intuitive eating and how to develop a healthy relationship with food. 
So really quickly, I want to address some myths and misconceptions. So when we talk about intuitive eating, I think a lot of people think of it as just another diet. And I want to be clear that intuitive eating is not a diet. It is a way of eating that is based on listening to your body and eating what you enjoy. It's not intended to help you lose weight. It is intended to help you have a healthier relationship to your body and to food. Second, intuitive eating will make you gain weight. Intuitive eating is not about gaining weight or losing weight. It's just about developing a healthy relationship with food. (laughs) Um, Intuitive eating is only for people who are already thin or even people who are overweight. Some people say like, well, this is only going to work for thin people. And some people are like, well, I don't need to do that because I'm already thin. And so again, reiterating, it's not about gaining or losing weight. Intuitive eating is for everyone, regardless of their weight, because we all deserve to have a healthy relationship to our bodies and to food. The other one, though, is that intuitive eating is easy. It isn't. Eating can be such a challenge, especially if you have been dieting for for years and years. It's so hard sometimes, but it is so worth it in the long run. And if you think about it in terms of we've we've developed these neuropathways, right? These like, we've created these kind of grooves in our life that we were kind of running in. So if you've been creating neuropathways around like dieting and restricting, it's going to take out some effort, some routines, some patterns of behavior to start to change the way that your brain naturally orients. So if I've been restricting and binging for years and years and years, then that's going to be like the first place my brain wants to go. But through habit and routine and building in new ways of thinking and new ways of being, then over time, the process that I will take to get there is so much slower. I'll develop so many other things that I can go to instead. So let's say you're an emotional eater. Um, That's like the thing that you feel a lot of shame about. Well, maybe originally you have like a negative emotion. You think, I want to I want to numb this with food. That's where you naturally will go. But then at, over time, you start to build up some new habits that support you emotionally. And maybe you start with EFT tapping and you go, okay, I'm going to practice some tapping first. And then you're like, maybe I'll call a friend. Maybe I'll take some time to journal. You have resources. You build tools because you learn to not go to food first. And you build in some more supportive habits so that you can go there first. You have other options, right? And then finally, the thought that, like, my mom used to say this all the time. is like, I'm addicted to sugar. I'll go crazy around food. I'm addicted to carbohydrates. And... This is actually a result of restrictive eating. We have evidence that shows us that when we restrict, we crave. And so actually telling yourself, I can't have this thing, makes you obsessed with the thing. Being like, I can't eat cookies. I can't trust myself around cookies. It's like, well, maybe it's because you're so obsessed with not eating the cookie that you th- and you think I'll never have a cookie again that you become so inclined to kind of overdo it, quote unquote, on the cookies. But when you actually give yourself full permission to eat, full permission to eat what's pleasurable to you, to listen to what your body wants, and you start to differentiate between emotional eating and fi- and physical hunger, Well, then all of a sudden it's like, well, do I actually want a cookie? I don't even think I like cookies very much. You you know, like you have that, that is available to you. 
And this like craze around food is coming from a place of restriction, not from permission. So the other thing that can come up here is that a fear of gaining weight. And I really want to talk about that because a lot of times that fear of gaining weight, it's obviously like can be vain and like vanity based, but also it can be a fear of health implications. Like if I gain weight, then I'm going to be unhealthy. So what do we do with that? And to that, I say focus on your health, not your body size. So much of the the correlations that we have with body size and health are either like misquoted and misunderstood, very, very frequently misquoted and misunderstood, um, but also we're looking at correlation, not causation. And so instead of saying, okay, I'm gaining weight, so I'm at risk of diabetes, or I'm gaining weight, so I'm at risk of high blood pressure, instead, go to your doctor, let them take your blood pressure, let them take a sense of your blood sugar, and let that give you the data as to whether or not you are at risk of those things. And then there are things that you can do that are not about shrinking yourself that can help you with those things, right? Like if blood sugar is your problem, like, yeah, adjust what you eat to not have high blood sugar. If blood pressure is your problem, like anaerobic exercise is going to be supportive to you. You don't have to do those things with weight loss in mind. I think diet culture has so skewed us to believe that exercise and eating healthy We only do that when we want to lose weight so that we feel like these are things that are intended to cause weight loss, not just things that we do because we like them or because they make us feel good or because they make us healthy. Like, interesting, right? It's put it into this weird category where it's no longer, it's like we're, it's a punishment for having gained weight instead of a supportive act we can do because we love ourselves. All right. So, Just to quickly summarize a few of the key takeaways from today's episode, intuitive eating is not a diet. It's an approach to changing your eating habits. It focuses on listening to your body and its signals. And it's based on the idea that we're all born with the ability to know when to eat, stop eating, and what is pleasurable and satisfying. Intuitive eating is a way of eating that helps you reconnect with your body and its signals. It involves listening to your hunger and fullness cues, eating what you crave, and making peace with food. When we are choosing intuitive eating, oftentimes we're afraid to release our deep attachment to diets and diet culture and the thought of losing weight. But don't forget that diets lead to weight gain. They can lead to nutritional deficiencies. They can lead to eating disorders. They encourage listeners to, they encourage you to give up your relationship to your body and your actual understanding of how your body works and what it truly wants and needs. So let's just step back from that for a minute and just give intuitive eating a try. If you try it out and listen to your body, give yourself some time, know that it's a process and really know that like learning to trust your body, it's a critical component of intuitive eating because when we're bombarded with messages about what we should and shouldn't eat, it can be so easy to lose touch with our internal signals of hunger and fullness But through practicing intuitive eating, we can actually begin to relearn how to trust our bodies and tune into our own needs. And this has implications that go far beyond just our physical health, right? Learning to trust our body means that we can listen to our body when it feels unsafe, when it feels unhappy, 
We can recognize when it is in an environment that fulfills it and when it's in an environment that does not. So when we step into intuitive eating, it means releasing the external cues of what you should and shouldn't be doing with food and movement and instead relying on your own hunger cues and relying on your own hunger cues to guide your eating. It also means accepting and respecting our bodies as they are instead of trying to change them to fit an idealized standard. And by learning to trust our bodies, we can really improve our relationship with food and ultimately improve our overall health and well-being. I really hope I sold you on it today. But if you are struggling with dieting, I just have to remind you this is not my area of expertise and I highly encourage you to talk to a registered dietitian who is trained in Hayes, H-A-E-S, this is health at every size, meaning that they're not going to focus on weight loss. They're going to focus on health and they can really help you to develop a healthy relationship with food and your body specifically. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that I made a solid case for you to try intuitive eating, to increase your sense of self-trust, your, your sense of trusting and listening to your body and its cues. And I will see you Friday for an interview with Evie Jenner all about listening to our body's cycles. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.